Hello, and welcome to Quilt Achievement's Markets Uncut podcast, your weekly insights into the topics and issues that we have been discussing here at Quilt Achievement. If you're not already subscribed, be sure to hit the follow button on whichever streaming platform you're listening on, or by following hashtag QC Weekly Comment on LinkedIn, so you won't miss future episodes. I'm your host this week, Ollie Creasy, Head of Property Research here in London, and as always, I'm delighted to be joined by podcast stalwart and Head of Fixed Interest, Richard Carter, and our special guest this week, the Head of Equity Research, Chris Beckett. Richard, this time last week, we were still digesting the news of Suella Braverman getting sacked, and the more surprising reintroduction of David Cameron into the Cabinet as Foreign Secretary. Those moves likely have some significant political implications, but has there been any observable reaction in financial markets? Uh, good question, Ollie. I mean, it was a, a, a bit of a surprise to see David Cameron get out of the, um, his car and walk up to Downing Street. But I think as far as markets are concerned, it's a bit of a, a bit of a sideshow, very much more um, politically driven uh, and won't have much of an impact, I think, on sort of, you know, uh, bond markets uh, and equity markets. And, 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 you know, let's be honest, I don't think it really changes the outlook for the next general election. Uh, Labour is still well ahead in the polls and I can't see... Uh, even though Cameron might have some supporters in the uh, more sort of, you know, in the country and a sort of more moderate Tories, I don't think it's going to be enough to to close the gap in the poll rating. So, uh, no, no great market reaction uh, for now. Yeah, thanks. Um, so I will move on to uh, to the sort of the more financial orientated data then. Um, last week was one of those uh, which had multiple important data releases. We saw both the US and UK inflation numbers come out. Um, for the record, that was plus 3.2 in America and plus 4.6 over here. Uh, it seems to me that both of those figures were a little better than expected, um, by which I mean lower. Uh, do you think that we're going to soon reach a point where inflation isn't what everyone's talking about? Uh, or are there more surprises to come in this arena? Yeah, I mean, I mean I'd like to think, Ollie, we get to the stage at some point where we don't have to spend uh, so much time talking about inflation. because obviously it's been a, you know, one of the big topic for the last couple of years or so. And I don't think we're quite there yet. I think um, you never quite know what's going to happen with uh, oil prices or natural gas prices as we go through the winter. Obviously, you've got you know concern over uh, OPEC, concern over what's happening in the Middle East. So I don't think we're there uh, yet in terms of inflation. And it's still a sort of, you know, we're not back to target yet. It's still at a level where central bankers are going to need to stay the course on interest rates. And they're going to be, as they have been doing over the last you know, couple of weeks, uh, reminding markets there's, there's still some way to go before they're going to be in a position uh, to cut interest rates. But I do hope, um, as we go into 2024, that we will spend a bit less time talking about inflation and a bit more potentially about uh, other areas. And I think economic growth will be uh, more in the news potentially than uh, inflation. All right. So uh, Richard Carter confirmed as an inflation hawk then. Um, uh, I guess uh, maybe... Maybe we can move on to some of the central banker comments, in fact, because I think that's quite relevant. Um, you know, we're noting that you know, inflation has fallen quite sharply. It's not it's not especially low, but it is falling. Um, but actually, when I think back to the comments that I've seen from uh, you know, the US Federal Reserve Chair and, and Andrew Bailey in the UK, um, the commentary is more, as, as you described it, you know, staying the course, perhaps even raising the uh, the idea that there's further rate rises to come. Just to curious to get your take on that, is this a is this a real possibility, um, or is this one of those exercises where the, the commentary is is provided in order to manage expectations a little bit? 
spot on. I mean, central bankers do talk a lot. I think there's uh, potentially too much. I don't think there's much uh, scope for another rate increase um, in the UK, that's for sure, because I'm not quite sure the economy needs it. And given where inflation is going, I think it's pretty unlikely. It's not completely out of the question in in the United States. I think if the labour market stays very resilient. Um, But I think this is more about central bankers just being very careful and cautious. They, they don't, the last thing they want to see is, um, you know, financial conditions loosen too much, uh, inflation stays high, and then they have to start raising interest rates all over again. So I think it's just really messaging from them just to remind people that, um, yeah, rates will have to stay reasonably high for an extended period of time. But I, I think the chance of a rate cut within the next two to three months or so in the UK or US is, you know, it's very limited. Thank you. Um- Final question for you then, Richard. Um, We've seen some pretty weak retail sales figures uh, on Friday. This is UK specifically, uh, down nearly 3% year on year. Um, And as a result, we've seen a few economists now raising the spectre of a winter recession in the UK on the back of this announcement. Um, Where do you stand on the the view of that risk, uh, that recession risk now? Yeah, it's possible. I mean, the economy's um, actually been a little bit more resilient than uh, than we were expecting at the start of the year, but it's not like there's been a ton of yeah, a ton of growth. I mean, we're kind of sort of flatlining, uh, slightly in positive territory, and and nothing more. And I would expect that you know I would expect that um, circumstances to sort of continue. So when we talk about potential for recession in the UK, we're not talking you know financial crisis kind of levels, you know, massive rise in unemployment. But it's possible you may have you know a couple of quarters of you know, a modestly negative growth, which wouldn't be great, but it probably maybe wouldn't be a disaster um, that people you know, might think it is. So it, it, it's always possible. I think I think the thing to focus on really is the, is the unemployment um, rate. That's still relatively low. Most people are in uh, in jobs. Wage growth is, is quite strong. I think as long as those conditions are in place, then the UK economy will do okay, albeit you know, there are a number of structural challenges that the government's going to try to get to get get to grips with but we're certainly not expecting a you know severe recession at the moment fair enough so so maybe sort of muddling along at some very very low uh growth rates is, is kind of what i'm hearing there um so uh i'm going to turn to chris now um uh, and maybe get your view on those retail sales figures um they were weak i, th- I think most people would agree with that assessment but but did they come as a surprise um and, and is this the trend now for the uk consumer uh or do you think uh, Black Friday and maybe Christmas spending will uh, will cause some sort of reversal. Uh, thanks, Ollie, and thanks for having me on the podcast. Um, I think the fact that we got relatively weak retail sales numbers isn't that much of a surprise. People have been going through the cost of living crisis. People have had bills going up. Um, I think everybody's got to evaluate whether what they're spending money on really justifies itself. Um, I sort of suspected that this was going to come up, so I googled it, and the 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 first thing headline that came up was retail sales plunged by 0.3% in October. Um, and I think 
we can make an awful lot of um, hyperbole about pretty small moves in economic series. And if you're looking at the month on month, that 0.3 is sort of beyond the margin of error. These are very difficult things to calculate. Trying to measure what is sold in every shop, garage, um, supermarket across the country, notoriously difficult. But what I think you can see, relative weakness that the value of retail sales is still increasing, but the volume, the amount of stuff that we can afford to buy has been reducing. So value year on year going up about 2%, the volume of what we're buying going down by 3%. And that's how you square it back to the inflation number, uh, 4.6, 4.7, depending on which measure you put look at. That's why you've got that headline retail sales growth, even at a point where people are buying less stuff. And as Richard said, we're sort of going through the back end of the cost of living crisis. It might not feel like that for an awful lot of people, but if you look at um, where wage growth is going, 7 8% at the moment in, in the UK, you look at inflation coming down below 5%, you're seeing a real disposable income increase for the average family. You look at the ASDA, ASDA income tracker, which tries to calculate the amount that the average family have left to spend after they've paid all their bills that they can't avoid, that's increasing about 4.4% year on year. And you have to qualify it by saying it's very unequal uh, world at the moment. The bottom 40% of uh, the income distribution, so the bottom 40% of families are still slowly going broke. So it's not universal good news, but it is improving. And I think that's what the level of wage growth versus lower inflation is why you can see a slightly better outlook coming into Christmas. Thank you. So it is a bit tough out there uh, on the high street anyway but uh one thing we do know is that not all retailers are born equal as they say um who are the the winners and losers in those retail sales figures do you think um we look at quoted companies that we can invest in and we choose to analyze the best of those and if if i look at the companies that we've been writing around as a research team they've been performing pretty well so associated british foods owned primark their uk business had a seven percent like for like improvement in the fourth quarter so in the same st size store they are selling seven percent more in terms of value um next also performing well full price sales up about four percent the growth coming from their online business with the store slightly negative even M&S, which for years has been a laggard in terms of their clothing and homeware, they were growing sales at 4%, a much better than expected number. So the quoted sector and the large quoted sector, through a lot of self-help measures and good product positioning, good buying, keeping to price points that people can afford, sort of retail basics doing okay. But across the whole of retail, it's been tough. Um, 62 retail chains have um, closed this year, failed this year, gone bankrupt. Um, things like Wilco, Kath Kidson, Paper Chase, um, and a whole range of others. Retail is notoriously a difficult in industry, and you could call this creative destruction, the weak giving way, but it's still 6,400 stores employing 37,000 people. So quite a lot of pain across the whole sector, but still some very large pockets where companies are doing okay. 
Now, I did want to change tack a little bit. Uh, talk about the, the Q3 corporate earnings season, which is, uh, depending on which sector you work in, more or less wrapped up now. Um, we've seen a few trends uh, forming now. We've seen US companies outperforming European peers in general, at least. And we've also seen that while most companies are actually exceeding their profit forecasts, they're tending to miss sales estimates. Uh, wonder what you make of all of that. Earnings season is always interesting because it's the opportunities for companies to tell us how they're doing. We, um, like every investor, want to invest in good companies performing well that can more than justify their share prices. So if I look across um, Europe and North America, the average company is growing its profits. Um, if I X out the energy sector, it's very clear, both sides of the Atlantic, that you have profit growth per share, 9% in the US, 3% in Europe. In headline terms, you see a small positive number in the, in the US, a negative number in Europe because of um, greater exposure to the energy sector. But vast majority of companies are outperforming investor expectations. 82% in America, 59% uh, in Europe. And you might call that good investor relations. Um, good companies can manage the expectations of their investors so that they can modestly beat those expectations every time they talk to the market. So constantly giving us good news, which is a way to get your share price to go up. If I look at sales numbers, um, again, X energy, this is where you get the difference that you were talking about. So 4% growth in America, 6% reduction in Europe. And that's including a lot of companies that have had inflationary pricing. So you'd be looking for an improvement there. If I'm looking for the companies, the sorts of companies where they're disappointing and guiding to lower sales and profits in the future, it tends to concentrate in consumer discretionary and industrials companies. I think we've got to go back to what we were talking about uh, a little bit before about macroeconomic slowdowns, the cost of living pressures, and the sort of wage growth that we're seeing as a positive when we're talking about retail sales and consumer-facing businesses. That wage growth is a negative in terms of profitability for every company that we look at. They are having to absorb those labor costs on top of commodity-related cost increases and transport and freight increases. It makes it more difficult for companies to increase their profit. Profits, but it's positive that you're seeing um, those expect or those results come through in a broadly positive fashion. Thank you for that. So, final question, and it's the same as the last one I asked of Richard. Um, do you agree with him about the winter recession risk, um, or, or do you respectfully disagree? Uh, and I suppose you could also disrespectfully disagree if you prefer. Uh, no, always treat Richard with respect. Um, fixed interest markets can tell us a lot about what's happening in the world, and we disregard that mess messaging at our peril. Um, if we look at where we are in terms of UK GDP, um, we may have been in a technical recession, we may not. Um, you'll know in a few years' time when you get the final revisions to the data. But Q3 GDP was pretty much flat. So we're bumping along with an economy stagnating. 
what central banks have been trying to do is to engineer a gradual slowdown in the economy to drive inflation out of the system. You're seeing in the UK falls in business investment, falls in household spending, falls in government consumption. So big contributors to GDP uh, are in recession, even though the total number is about zero. I think as we go into next year, it's still very possible that we will have a recession. Um, the normal definition for a technical recession, two quarters of negative growth, could still very well happen. It sort of was described one thing I was reading as poor quality stagnation coming through in the numbers. It's not likely to be on the data that we've got at the moment, a bad recession, but it could be negative. It's just difficult to see where a return to a normal growth rate will come for the UK. And that feeds into some of the political problems and some of the things that the Chancellor is having to try and address, which is where we started the conversation. Um, I think when we're looking at the companies that we invest in, it's not all doom and gloom. Only 29% of sales of the average company quoted on the London Stock Exchange is coming from the UK. So a lot of opportunities to invest in high quality international businesses exposed to economies that are likely to do better than the UK. My final thought on the subject, if you'd asked me this time last year, I'd have probably given you an equally gloomy prognosis about the UK economy. The outturn over this year has been better than anybody thought last year. It's not been stellar, but it's been above those gloomy expectations. So hopefully, as we go into next year, it's not quite as bad as some forecasters are suggesting. Thanks, Chris. Just a, a sprinkling of optimism, which is a, a good note to end on, I think. Thank you very much. Um, and, and indeed, thank you to Richard for, for joining as always. And, and thank you to you, the listener, uh, for, for tuning in. So did you enjoy today's discussion? Believe it or not, we do genuinely love to hear from our listeners. Um, uh, so please do give us a review wherever you're listening. Um, share it on the various social media websites you use. Uh, and of course, tag us at Quilt Achievement. And, and of course, you've got that subscribe button nearby that you should uh, make sure you tap as well. We will be back next week. And in the meantime, do head over to our website. That's www.quiltachieviot.com, where you can read the accompanying market overview, as well as subscribe to our weekly comment newsletter. You can also stay up to date with our thoughts on market news, industry insights, and our upcoming events and webinars on our website, or again, on those social media pages. Finally, if you have any questions you'd like to ask one of our experts in time for our next podcast, then simply send them through via the weekly comments page on our website. As I mentioned, we do really enjoy receiving and tackling those questions. That's it for today. So thank you once again to Richard and Chris for your time. And again, to all of you for listening. See you next time.